Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Coastline Covenant podcast. We have been gone for a couple of weeks, so thank you for letting us take a little break and regroup and think of some fun ideas and fun ideas we have. The next couple of weeks are going to blow your mind with the podcast. We have a lot of fun stuff planned, but before we get there, we have an awesome episode today where I sit down with Garrick and we talk about Coastline community groups, which are launching this week. In fact, you may have already been a part of a Coastline community group this week, but I sit with Garrick and we talk about kind of the theology behind small groups, good success in small groups. And then we talk specifically about Coastline community groups, what makes them different and what makes them you know, in our opinion, really, really worth joining. And so if you have any questions about jumping in and going deeper with the Coastline Community Group here at Coastline, this is the episode for you. And I will say this, Garrick and I recorded this episode. He did not look at his notes once. This is all ingrained in his soul. He loves small groups. He lives and breathes them. And these Coastline Community Groups are created with so much care and so much intentionality. And I think that really comes out in the episode. So enjoy this episode, our first one back in a couple weeks. We have a lot of fun stuff planned moving forward. And we will see you next week and every single week after that. Welcome to another episode of the Coastline Covenant Podcast, and we're back. We took a two-week break. We did take a two-week break. And it was nice. Yeah. I, we enjoyed it. I did Hopefully enjoy the it. viewers missed it. The, the listeners missed the viewers, it. The listeners, the listeners missed, missed it, it. a little bit. It. Yeah, I've, I've gotten some great feedback. We had the housewarming party and people came into that my was office. Fun. They came to my office and saw the mic and they're like, is this where you record the podcast? Yeah, yeah. I was like, kind of, yeah. yeah. Hey, this is a good moment too to do a shout out. Like if you missed our open house... We are here at yes. 800 South Pacific Coast Highway, Suite 12. Right up come top. on in. Come check out the new digs. Come check out the office and know that this is space for you, too. Totally. Yeah. Great shout out. And yeah. Again, I love the podcast because it's so localized for Coastline community. So it's like, here's our address. Yeah. Come, you know, like, I don't think at the on the Mars Hill podcast, Mike Cosper is like doling out <laughs> his address, <laughs> but we can do it. We don't we really can care. Do it. Yeah, we don't really care at all. Yeah. And that was such a fun party. What would be really fun is if everybody hears us, just bands together and decides to come all at once and just bombards us. I think so maybe we would think twice about doing it again. That's both your nightmare and your dream. Yes, it is. Like nightmare on a Thursday where you're preaching on Sunday. Oh, that would be, yeah. I would feel horrible because I'd be out there anyway, but (laughs) then, but on a non-preaching week, it'd be incredible. It'd be the dream. It would be the dream. That's really fun. Well, yeah, Yeah. it's been an exciting couple weeks here at Coastline. Like we said, we had the housewarming party. Yep. And we announced the hire of our good friend, Nikki Hernandez, who's now on the team. So fun. Which is a total God thing. I mean, the, oh, whole, man. the whole way that She's been over here a week and a half and she's just crushed it. We need to make a Nikki button. Oh, seriously. Like, Nikki, Nikki. It's just like. She, yeah, I would have died last week. Yeah. She oh, yeah. saved me in, in the launch of Coastline Communities. Invaluable. Her, her experience and voice has already carried well beyond her kind of job description into so many things already. Yeah. And, and she's been here a week and a half. It's an, it's an absolutely incredible thing. Yeah. And our congregation, so generous. So generous. Another shout out to our congregation. Yeah. Wouldn't have happened without you. Not a chance. And I think we now are well staffed for growth mm-hmm. and we're ready to roll. Yeah. And speaking of growth, we launched uh, Coastline Youth on Tuesday and we had 53 students. And I, so awesome. in the office, people were asking me how many students think you're going to get. And I, I shot low for the reason of, New church, you know, yeah. new youth group. Yeah. And then today I come in the office and I'm like, we had 53. And then everybody started mocking me <laughs> and calling me Eeyore. Because <laughs> well, I did ask you twice at our meeting, like, really? You don't think you're going to have 
you know, this many. We had a lot. You, you shot low. I did shoot low, and yeah. I'm, I'm super pumped, and it's going to be awesome. But yeah, we, I got picks. I think maybe yeah. from Mary Beth. Yeah. I'm not quite sure who took them, but so fun to see our junior hires and our high schoolers in that youth room. Yep. What a killer room. What a killer space. Unbelievable. So if you're listening and your junior hire or high school hasn't come to hang out with uh, Hunter and his amazing crew, unbelievable and you crew, do have a ridiculously gifted crew. Like if it's you're insane. listening to this, I saw the list and I was like. Dude, adults is jealous, man. <laughs> this is insane. So Yeah. Well, you know, and you come from kind of the student ministries world where the best student ministry is family ministry. Yeah. And so when you can get a volunteer leader to get that vision, they never want to quit. Yeah. Because walking with families is the best part of ministry for yep. me. You know, just officiated a wedding of a former student, got mm-hmm. to spend time with the family. That's just that's just money. I love that stuff. Yeah. But Garrick and I are here today to discuss another very exciting piece of the Coastline puzzle that's coming together, and that's Coastline Communities. It's yeah. Our, it's our small group ministry. Kind of been something that we've been discussing since Coastline's inception, but yes. it's actually happening now, Yes, which is exciting because yes. I think you've probably reflected on this just as I have. When I'm not doing the job I want to do, I kind of feel stifled a little bit. Like if I'm just doing Instagram posts and I'm not like hanging out with students yeah. or I'm, not, I'm like, come on, I want to do the fun. Th- I want to do the thing that I was kind of brought yeah. here to do. And so right. I know you were brought here kind of doing preaching and vision and stuff, but you're, you're a small groups guy. Would you say that? Um, I have been, yeah. Through the course of, of, uh, my vocational career. Yeah. Is, is that just proximity or is there excitement, gifting or. Um, I think one, I experienced it. It was really transformational in my own growth. Mm -hmm. Um, I went through a youth ministry that, um, went through the transformation of, they used to do kind of the old model of teach at the students Wednesday, teach at the students Sunday. Mm -hmm. And it was right around like somewhere at the end of my freshman year, beginning of my sophomore year that my youth ministry shifted and went into a, we're going to change this model of teaching at the students and we're going to have teaching on Sunday, and then we're going to have these kind of small group opportunities midweek. And so I got to experience that difference, I think. Actually, it might have been later. It might have been maybe my junior, senior year. Mm-hmm. The uh, Dennis Wadley was kind of playing with the model. Right. Um, and then carried that into my college experience. And I think it was my college experience that was really formative, as it is for many people, right, in your spiritual mm-hmm. growth, uh, being part of a small community where there was real um, honesty and vulnerability and intimacy and how the word of God and the Holy Spirit kind of grabs a hold of space that's cultivated that's that way and uses that for your own awareness of your who you are, who God is, and your own growth. And so yeah. I think coming out of that, <clears throat> that was a big thrust of mine. You know, it's funny. I came out of seminary and I was specifically seeking a job as a small group pastor at a couple different places. Um, and I think that in part was when I started ministry, I've shared this story before. I didn't want to be a preacher. I didn't want to be a right, Sunday morning right, preacher. Right. Wasn't, wasn't what I was at, you know, aspiring to. I think what really gave me a drive for ministry was connecting people. And so building a community where people are connected and then that community has connective tentacles, if you will. And just by the very nature of how it lives and exists together, more people are added. Mm. And so I think that has always been kind of part of my DNA of what I love and and what I'm always seeking to do. And so the small group ministry um, kind of, you know, opportunity within localized church ministry made a lot of sense. Um, 
I didn't necessarily land there with that specific title. Um, I landed, you know, with college first and then young adults, always this kind of service related experience with canvas and then contemporary and beyond. Um, but it's always kind of been my passion. Mm -hmm. And so even though I've worked, I've supervised other people that actually had more of that role than I did, it's always something that I'm still always going to be passionate about. So, and, I, and I'm going to go a small correction because in the beginning, and I'm doing this for us as well because we came out of kind of like such a, we've been doing small groups for years right. that we use that language and yes. you're like, hey, we're here, gonna agree yes. to, we're launching yes. our small yes. group ministry. I'm like, well, yes and no. It's like a right. small group ministry, but we're going to talk about some of the unique differences and why later on. And I think that I'm mostly saying small group because I would literally in the office today, Sean said something like, and we're launching small groups. And you said, they're not small groups. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I have that ringing in my ears and I know that, but I wanted to, yeah. um, as a listener, maybe they don't know what coastline community groups are. Right. So to kind of get there. Yeah. But they, I, they have definitely a flavor of a small group, right. just unique differences. Yeah. I think it's like, I hear you talking about your past roles, more service oriented. And I think that's really interesting language for someone in ministry, because I think that that is basically what people think they're getting into when they get into ministry. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I'm going to be preaching or I'm going to be helping to put on worship services or small group or um, youth services and things like uh -huh. that. So did you feel like a tension having a good experience in small groups in your own faith journey and then coming to work in like more of a service oriented way? Were you like, man, I really want to get back to small groups? Or did you sense that you could get that small group experience in a service? No, I, I always had a piece of kind of small group ministry attached to kind of whatever I was doing. Mm -hmm. So even when I was leading and helping to facilitate worship services on Sunday, either with Bill or then with Sean, at the time I was doing college ministry and that was small group based. Right. Or I was doing okay. young adult and young adult was kind of a small group based model of how we met together. Um, and so those values always kind of had a place to live. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that kept me from maybe experiencing where your question was going, which was, did you feel a lot of tension? I, I, I would have felt a lot of tension if I didn't have those outlets. Yeah. Because I believe, I believe in the community gathered. I believe there's something significant happens when we corporately worship and we corporately learn and we corporately pray together, right? The whole church gathered. There's a, there's a, there's a value to that for sure. I mean, scripture, you know, calls us to not give up meeting together, mm -hmm. but we all know there's, you know, the size of the gathering limits the, right. how the gathering operates. Right. And That's there are some really unique things that I'm sure we'll explore in this that I think are important for growth that can't happen. And then everybody knows that, right? Right. You, you go to church and you learn and you, you, it's a corporate experience, but there's a piece of intimacy and of, of connection that you, you give up whenever you move to a greater size. Right. That's, and I, I love that. And I yeah. think that's part of the appeal of coastline in these early stages that yeah. our big services aren't that big. Right. And yeah. we can kind of know everybody. Yeah. But I love that we're even trying to reduce it from that to have more of that intimacy. Yeah. Um, in, in kind of a small group model. And yes, we will talk about the intricacies and the nuances of coastline community groups, which I've sat with you and we've talked about this. And it's yeah. 
Awesome. Garrick's vision for Coastline Communities is so spirit-based and it's so insightful. And truly, I'm not just saying this because he's right here. This is like the church I work at. And he's oh like, man, I'm starting to feel really good about myself. He's like my pseudo, <laughs> he's like my pseudo boss. But like the way that Garrick talks about this is so it's such a lived experience for you. You have such a, a heart for this because I think you want people to be in the family of God and see the family of God modeled in front of them in every kind of way that they can, whether it is that big service or in the smaller yeah. um, experience. And so yeah. I, I was sitting with you last week, I think it was last Tuesday, and yeah. we were talking about the coastline. And I was like, dude, do you hear yourself talking about these? These are awesome. Yeah. They're super rad. So we'll get into all that. But before we yeah. do, um, I want to go to the Bible for a second. What mm -hmm. are some of the biblical foundations for small group ministry? Because I think every church does small group ministry. So there must be like a verse or something about it. So as a pastor, as someone who's gone to seminary, how do you read scripture and see small groups? Where are some sure. specific things? Sure. Let's start broad and then work our way down to some text. Um, so at the 10,000 foot level, there, you've heard me say this before. I'll say it again. Okay. So we are created by and bear the image of a God who has dwelt in community for all eternity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so it's no accident that as we are his creation and bear his stamp and then are now called to follow him, he's going to call us to learn how to live into community because that's what we're going to ultimately be doing without sin once we're in heaven with him. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think we, we get an opportunity and, and, and foretastes of what that should and can look like as we live in community. So I think there's this biblical call to community as, okay, our God lives in community. He calls us into community. You mm -hmm. see that again in the call of Christ. Sometimes we individualize that so much in our North American context. Like Jesus called me. Here was my moment. I raised my hand. I prayed the prayer. I went to camp. I opened my Bible. Whatever your story is, we all tend to think about our conversion experience, rather it be a moment in time or progressive. However it happened, we still tend to think about it of like, okay, it was God and myself. Yes. It was Jesus and myself. And we forget that when we were called into our salvation, we were called immediately into community. We are called into a family of God and, and think about the disciples, you know, Peter, Andrew, James, and John in the beginning of Mark, the beginning of Matthew, you know, they're fishermen, they're hanging out and, you know, he's like, Hey, look, there goes the lamb of God. And he's like, Hey, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. In that call immediately, we often forget that it wasn't just a call to come follow Christ. It was a come, it was a call to come follow Christ in the midst of a community of 12 Hmm. That was part of the call. That's fascinating. Right? And we wow. forget that piece. Yeah. And so there is this call that we have in following Christ that's not Christ and me alone. I'm not a lone ranger in it. It's Christ and me being a part of his community, um, which makes sense because he dwells and lives in community. And so from the very get-go, he's trying to help us learn this is how life is best lived, not only following me, but living as I live, not alone, but living in the joyful resources that come and the painful sharpening that comes as we live in community and experience similarity mm. and experience difference. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think that I, I would say those pieces are important you know, foundational to understand from a biblical standpoint. I think the easiest place to go is acts two 42, what we just taught on Sean and I 42 through 47, where you see in the early church, 
just what they devoted themselves to. Um, and then you get in verse 46 where it says, you know, they met together every day in the temple courts. And then it says they broke bread and had meals in their homes. Mm. And, and we forget that the earliest followers of Jesus didn't immediately just start building churches. Right. Right. Like that's a very kind mm. of uh, later in the church history where we, you know, with Constantine and all of that, like, hey, we're going to we're going to take over. And we're going to build these churches. Um, it was a sect coming out of a Jewish movement that had the synagogue. And right. so they didn't have the synagogues. Paul would go there to reason with people about Jesus as the Messiah, but they didn't have control over the synagogues and they didn't have control of obviously the temple in Jerusalem. So yeah. a lot of it was, as you read in Acts 2 and Acts 4, um, some translations say instead of like in homes, they just say house to house. Oh, wow. And so you really have that kind of house to house language. Um, and so I think that is part of where you get that foundation of small groups, this reality of the church meeting in a home, remembering that, again, the church isn't the location, it's not the building, it's, it's where the people of God are gathered, right? And I think that's important for us. Like, we're renting church space, and that's great, and it's a great gift, but if we were to lose our lease at St. Andrew's, we wouldn't stop being a church, mm -hmm. right? It's the church isn't the building. So anyway, you see in Acts kind of this early movement of churches. Um, you see it with Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, we're told that they have a church meeting in their home right. from Paul. Lydia, after she's converted, you know, she brings her whole household. Her household's converted. Paul stays at her house. Um, so you see people's dwelling places being the place of gathering, worship, prayer. Um, and I think that's part of kind of where you see the biblical, uh, you know, model, if you will, of, you know, like a small group experience. That's more location. Obviously, there's some some pieces of that that come out of Acts 2.42 mm -hmm. um, of what they devoted themselves to that that I can talk about as well. That those Those are some of the foundational pieces. Well, yeah, I guess that's kind of my next question. Like, so that's the biblical foundation for a small group, uh, like for the function of a small group. But right. like, how can a small group function with the Bible? Like, what are some biblical foundations that a small group can use or, or a coastline community group can use to succeed? Right. Like, what's, what are some important biblical things to focus on in a group setting? Yeah, yeah. And I, and I would go back again. It's to Acts 242, not to beat, you know, a dead horse, but go read Acts 242. Yeah, Pause go, this, go, go read, go Acts read it. You know, but you know, you you probably know it. You know, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Hmm. And I just think that that doesn't mean that's the only thing you have to devote yourself to. But when you think about when you ask me what are the biblical foundational pieces to a successful group life, um, I would say it's those pieces, right? It's committed to, to opening up God's word and gathering around it together and reading it, studying it, chewing on it, talking about it, meditating on it, praying over it. You know, it doesn't have to have one form, but I think where God's word is central and elevated, God is going to move because his word is never powerless. And if we open our hearts to it, I think God does really some incredible stuff. So that's the, you know, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, right? Then you've got fellowship, which I've explained before, is more than just what you and I are doing right now. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes we think, oh, Christian fellowship is what happens when you and I as Christians get together. Mm -hmm. That's fellowship. Yeah. Well, at its baseline, at its most lowest common denominator, yes. 
But if that's your only understanding of fellowship, you've missed it. Mm-hmm. You know, the Greek term, you know it well, koinonia, it has more to do with your contribution to the body than it does what kind of just happens on its own mm-hmm. as you and I gather. So it's more of an intentional, how do I invest in my relationship with Hunter so that he grows, mm. so that I am blessed and grow, and so that collectively the two of us build something that's more dynamic than what we'd have on our own. That's the idea of Christian fellowship. And I think that's important when you get into a small group context, or as we talk about in a minute, the coastline communities. I think what gets me super excited is what can be built as everybody has that perspective, that I'm not just here to get something to to receive and to grow and then to go away, but I'm here as a contributor to actually erect and build something for God's kingdom in the context of a larger community that can actually have more stickiness to it than I would just if I was sitting in a room by myself mm-hmm. or inviting my friends kind of into my life. There's there's a dynamic that happens, and I think we all want to be part of a of something larger than ourselves and even something larger than just our own friend group. You know, mm-hmm. there's something with energy and it's dynamic. It's, it's something that's a, a, like community to me is a living organism. And as you add a person, you shift it and change it. And I think God has created it that way because he talks about the body of Christ. Um, it's everybody who is included in, yeah, I profess faith in Jesus Christ. And so it never goes stale. It never grows stagnant, although groups can for yes, sure. Yes, and we've yes. probably all experienced that at times. But when you have new life flowing in, then the dynamic always shifts. And that changing dynamic always keeps this spiritual entity called, you know, Christ's bride, the church, going and growing. Wow. That was great. Yeah, that was kind of fun. I mean, I, if that doesn't <laughs> compel you to join a small group, I don't know what will. Yeah, or, and, it, you know. and it, it lets you know, too, like you're big on this. I've heard you say this for Coastline. Like we're not, we're being truthful when we say we need you. Yeah. And when you choose not to participate, it's not just an issue between you and the Lord. Like Christ's church is less than what he wants. If you're not there. If you're not there. Yes, absolutely. Because, I mean, again, I've said it, but you just, you can't grow in the ways that Christ wants to grow you in isolation. You just can't. There's just, there's no way to do it. And that's part of the reason we're called into community. Yeah. And it's really interesting because we're doing this episode this week and then in the next coming weeks, I don't need to spoil anything, but we have some pretty exciting um, stuff about like isolation. Oh, good. um, And solitude. So I love the balance and the nuance of the Christian life of like, you have to grow in community, but there are things that God can only do in in isolation, you know, and and how you bring the isolated self to the group and then how you take the group dynamic to the, to the quiet time. Like that's the fun of the Christian life of, of this constant rhythm. You didn't mention breaking of bread. And I I do want to specifically ask about food in small groups. Is food necessary for small groups? Is food necessary? (laughs) 
Yes. In youth ministry? <laughs> yes. The answer to that is it is always a win, even if it's just snacks, you know? Like, I know it can't be a meal. Some some communities do a meal every right. time they gather. Right. And if they choose to do that, I mean, I think they get a ton of fruit and mm-hmm. value out of that for sure. But yeah, yeah, it's... And again, I think we we can't divorce Acts 2.42 from its biblical context and recognizing the power of table fellowship, mm-hmm. right? In the first century, to invite somebody into your table to enjoy a meal communicated more than just, I want to spend time with you. It meant that you are a significant part. You matter to me, and I welcome you into this family. And so there's something powerful about eating a meal together that that is unifying and leveling at the same time. Like it unites us that we are followers of Jesus Christ together in all our wonderful complexities and all our wonderful diversities. It, we're, we're so different, right? Like um, just about a lot of different things of, of how we, what we value, what we love to do. We're really unique individuals, but there's something unifying and coming and saying, we all need sustenance to live. Mm-hmm right? Mm. The, the unity that happens when you bring it down to like, I need food to survive and not be cranky in this moment. And so do you. Mm-hmm. Right. And it reminds you too, of like the church as Christ's bride is still just this clump of, um, you know, struggling flesh, mm. right? Nefesh, one of your favorite words, bring it back for you. Um, and it's just a reminder, like, you know, you, you don't put people on pedestals. It keeps you from making celebrities mm-hmm. or making villains yeah. out of God's community, which we can be, I mean, it's just, that's our idol making ability, right? Right. You agree with me. I put you on celebrity status. You disagree with me. You become a villain. And there's something uniting and unifying when you invite somebody into a table, you share a meal together and you're like, you're human. <laughs> Jesus loves you. Yeah. You're a ball of struggling flesh saved by the grace of Christ. And so am I. And we can meet there. Yeah. So anyway, sorry, that was kind of a long no, tangent. I like that. But That's really good. And it really humanizes people when you eat with them. Yeah. Cause you get junk. Like I, my wife makes fun of me. I cannot eat apparently <laughs> without getting food on my face. Oh, I just thought that was oh the end my of the sentence. I can't eat apparently period. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> no, I am. I'm like notorious in my family for like having food all over my face. So, so if you want to feel like Garrick's a human, invite yeah. him like to the messiest meal, like yeah. rib, go to Lucille's or Dude, something. Take me to Lucille's <laughs> and watch the wonder at work. I also am so struck. Um, have you ever read that Tim Chester book, A Meal with Jesus? No, I haven't. It's like 110 pages. It's a great read. I need to read it. Um, and Tim, Tim Chester is a British pastor, and he mm-hmm. has a lot of stuff on like house churches and stuff, mm-hmm. speaking of that. And he, he kind of breaks down the theology of food in the New Testament, specifically the Gospel of Mark, and how mm-hmm. Son of Man came to seek and save the lost, came as a ransom for many, and came eating and drinking. Yep. You know, so it's it's that important for Mark to put it on the same level of like salvation with yeah. food. And so he he kind of breaks down how important food is for not only Jesus on earth, but also for our table fellowship with others. So it's a great yeah. read. I, I I do recommend that. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. It's it reminds me, you know, I've always been amazed in Luke. Like mm-hmm. Jesus comes back in his resurrected body and he cooks up some fish on the side of the beach yeah. and hangs out and has a meal with his disciples. Crazy. Like, uh, and I think it's for those, I mean, I've thought, I've tried to think deeply about why, you know, mm. what is that? And I do, I, I think it is, it's unifying um, 
for us as people, right? And it kind of brings us down to that which matters most. And Mm -hmm. it's also so celebratory, Mm -hmm. right? Like there's, I mean, there's there's this thing of sustenance and God being the bread from, you know, Jesus bringing the bread from heaven. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but, you know, outside of the, you know, the basic sustenance that happens, I think that that celebratory nature is maybe I'm just highlighting that because I feel like in in evangelicalism that's often lost. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as that's we good. turn the church and our messages unintentionally often into this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. And we need to be careful. Because if we're not careful, we every Sunday becomes here's another task yeah. to grow yeah. in your spiritual life. Before you know it, you got 52 tasks and you can't remember one of them and then you just feel like what am I doing? Am I even growing? And you're hungry. And you're hungry. <laughs> but I think there's something about just the celebratory nature of God has done what, that which we needed most. Yep. And the, the unifying factor of celebration. Like who, you know, I, I would love to have the world see a church that knows how to celebrate. Um, and I think that was, uh, that's a great part of our witness that God's given us that I don't think we're in our camp and in our streams, we're not necessarily gifted at. It's a lost art. Yeah. Well, speaking of celebrating, my man, we are launching Coastline Community Groups. Yes, we are. So we are now, from this point onward, abandoning the language of small group. And we are saying Coastline Community Groups. That is why we're here. That's why we're talking. Garrick, what makes these different than any other group experience that one of the members of our Coastline family might have been a part of? Yeah. Um, I think there will be some similarities, which is good. But But let's definitely talk about what's different. Um, the first one is kind of open door, right? Like the, the idea of it's not going to be us four no more. It's not going to be, okay, we've got eight or we've got 10 and now this group is closed. Um, there's a strength to that, but there's a great weakness in it as Mm -hmm. well. And so one of the model shifts for the sake of the vision behind coastline communities is open doors is the idea that every group is an open door all the time and anybody who's willing to participate um, is welcome to come in, right? Um, And so it's not, okay, we've reached, usually in a small group model, you know, you get 8, 10, you get 12, and you think, okay, we can't handle anymore, and then we close. And then inevitably what happens, you build community, you share life, and you love it, and then you don't want anybody to come in and mess it up. Right. Yeah. So it becomes kind of a, it starts with an open door and then becomes kind of a lockdown, like security <laughs> fortress, right? I don't We're like, like the language of lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> don't say that. I saw your body twitch, right? <laughs> um, and so the idea is, I think, straight out of the pages of scripture where, you know, the call is always to, to care about the one who's not there yet. You know, Jesus has a heart you see in Luke 15 that he's willing to leave the 99 and go after the one who's not there yet. And it's Mm. not that the 99 don't matter. It's just that the one who's still trying to get there matters in this moment, takes precedent. And so to give an opportunity for people to continue to invite friends and acquaintances, because you never know how God's going to work. Like you could get in a small group, your small group fills up, and then all of a sudden you meet a coworker, a neighbor, a friend, and they're like, you're like, hey, I'd, I'd love to invite them, but my group is closed and how do we do that? Right. And how so, much of church these days, and again, we work at a church, so I want to be careful, but like, 
hey, come to church with me on a Sunday. That that for a lot of people that could be a pretty tough experience. They might have had a really rough childhood with church or a bad, you know, a bad lifestyle, like bad lifetime with church. And so the small group invitation is sometimes the door into church. For sure. And so if you say, oh, my group's closed, like, oh, yeah, you're, I, everything I believe about church is correct because of hearing that your small group is closed. Right, right. So I love the open door. Yeah. And and coupled with that, here's a unique difference. Um, we're, the, the groups are larger on purpose. Mm-hmm. So there's a real reason behind that. It's not just, okay, so there's an open door so they can just grow to whatever number. There's actually more thought put behind that. And what I mean by larger on purpose is this reality that it is intimidating for somebody to come into a living room with six or eight other people that have been meeting for a while. They know each other. They have history. You feel like you're the the new person coming into school midway through the semester and everybody's got their friend groups already and you're like the odd person out, right? And so that becomes really, really difficult. And so larger on purpose means when you get a group beyond 8, 10, 12, when you get it to 16, 20, 22, you know, in the 20s, let's say, there's just more of a community feel that mm-hmm. happens that allows for two important things. One, I can come into the group and I'm not going to immediately have to bear my soul participate to the nth degree from the get-go. I can kind of be a fly on the wall if I want to and just kind of check out the community because it's big enough that there's some anonymity, right? Right. Like I can be here and I can be as loud and engaged as I want, but if I want to just kind of sit back and watch, I totally can. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really, really valuable where uh, a small group can't provide that. And um, two, in a larger community, I was talking about it before in when I was saying that attractive communities have a way of having just stickiness Mm -hmm. and there's something that happens from an energy standpoint that is different than like 10 people gathered versus like 20. Mm -hmm. You felt it like you've had kind of the dinner party with eight and it's fun and there's a total place for that. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But there's something dynamic when you're in a community of like, you know, 18, 20, 30 people in a backyard having a barbecue where you can choose to have intimate conversation with a few people if you choose, or you can kind of stand around in a larger group and share life together. Mm -hmm. But there's just more energy and momentum that's created in the community feel. And I think that that is so important when you talked about we're larger on purpose because we really believe these communities that we're trying to forge are actually going to be more sticky and more invitational than potentially even church. Yeah. Right. Because church is just kind of like this big thing. And you, like you said, I might have a bad experience with it from the past or not interested yeah. in things of the spirit, but I could get around a community that's dynamic, that's larger than myself um, and larger than just my immediate friend group and really see differences and a a wide crew of people. And I feel like that can be extremely attractive and can actually be sticky to bring somebody in and go, oh, there's something there that I'd like to be part of. Um, And so the larger is, it's it's larger on purpose, Mm -hmm. right? Because we think from a missional standpoint, any small group leader you talk to, and I've talked to a lot of them in a lot of different churches, they excel at intimacy and they stink at mission. Mm. And the best way to grow small groups was not to actually put people in group. And we found this in our old ministry. We did so much better starting new groups than we did trying to put people in existing groups. Um, and so, mm. and I think it, it, that some of those principles 
that I've looked at over the last 15 years of watching small group ministry have, have led us to these coastline communities to at least try it. Let's go try something new in the model where we are trying to get a little bit of both, mm-hmm. where we're trying to be on, be a family on mission together with open doors and larger on purpose, and yet not lose, I think, some of the strength of what can happen in the intimacy. And that would be kind of the other third point that you've heard me talk about if you made our service on Sunday. Banquet table, dinner table, coffee table. Love it. Right? Like, Come on. There, there's, a, there's a language there. Like we gather as a community of 20 or 30. That's the banquet table. All are welcome. All come feast on the word of God. All come feast on building some relational connectivity. Right? And then we're being intentional with only meeting every other week so that on those off weeks, not so we can just rest. Let's be honest. Sometimes you need that. Sometimes you need that. And that is fine. Because at Coastline, we don't want to just grind people, right? right? Jesus rested, we need to rest. Mm -hmm. But using that off week as an opportunity to gather around a coffee table or a dinner table to then have the intimate conversations that maybe you would have had in a smaller group. Um, And a lot of that, I mean, if you think back to your small group experience, I'll think back to mine. I was never part of some that like, oh my gosh, the biblical study was so incredibly amazing that I just want to study the word of God every day, 24 seven. But I can tell you that I had life on life experiences totally that kept me going, changed my life, helped me grow, helped me feel planted in God's community um, and friendships that I still carry to this day that are super valuable to Mm -hmm. me, right? Like shout out to my old life group that we're still connected and I love every one of them. Mm. Um, And so we, we, we need that. We need those pieces of an opportunity to connect and do life on life. Um, and that's when the coffee table, dinner table, those off weeks that we're not meeting as a whole community, we're being intentional about trying to build that. Mm-hmm. So my hope is that in the, in the vision that we really do, I mean, the last piece that I would say is that we create meaningful moments. Yes. Meaningful moments together as a larger community of 20, 30 plus. And if God grows us bigger, great. And meaningful moments around a dinner table and a coffee table where it might be just you and I, Mm -hmm. it might be two couples, it might be four or five singles gathering together. Um, You know, it could be eight people having a dinner party, Mm -hmm. Um, but being intentional about having a space for intimacy um, where you're going to get a little bit more of that than you are in the larger community. Um, Because I do think that what we crave most in church is meaningful moments. Mm -hmm. Moments of transcendence where we know that was God. Meaningful moments of transcendence where we know that is his body and I'm a part of it. Mm. And I think we're trying to set ourselves up in a new structure from my vantage point after 15 years of looking at this stuff going, this might be a really great way for people to build those meaningful moments, Mm. right? Like as a community, as we're gathered, all 27 of us, you know, going after it together, but then breaking down. And then on those off weeks, like, hey, I've got a community of, you know, two, three or five, depending, because part of it's personality too, right? Right. Like there are some people that are going to go like, oh, sweet, this is my one-on-one time. I'm going to go grab coffee with that person and they're going to love it. (laughs) <laughs> and then there's other people like myself. I can do that and I love it, but I also love like, let's get four people together, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. So what I love about this, two things that I want to isolate before we go. One yep. is 
when we were talking about this last week, when you were mentioning all of the pieces of the coastline community, you were just describing how someone walks into a house. That's true. You're like open door, larger on purpose, like living together with life. And then you sit at the table and then you go out in the backyard. I'm like, Eric, you're just describing home. Yep. And so I think that what comes through and how you talk about this is like, this is as exciting to you as like helping people find their home. Yeah. And like coastline communities can be the home for the coastline family outside of Sundays. That's one really incredible thing. And another incredible thing I just was, while I was listening to you reflecting on this, I think a lot of times small groups fail because they try to do everything every night Mm -hmm. where it's like, okay, tonight we're doing the Bible study and we're doing the super intentional conversation and we're doing the prayer time and we're also doing the fun, meaningful moment. And when you kind of have this larger calendar in mind, like you have a bigger scope of, of what the group could be, you give the night to whatever the night needs to be. And then next week it can be something different. You're not trying to check every box every, yep. every Tuesday or Thursday. And so that's something that I think I really appreciate as someone who's done small groups for a long time of like my favorite small group moments were the meaningful moments, but then I feel so guilty leaving and well, we didn't even open the Bible once. Right. Whereas like, no, we're going to focus on the Bible this week so that on this off week we can have a meaningful moment or so that next time we meet, we can have a meaningful moment. And I think Mm -hmm. that's where the success is going to be. And again, I'm so compelled by this. I can't wait. And they launched this week. We've launched some already. We're launching some tonight. It's Thursday. So we're launching some tonight. Yeah, we are. If if someone's- College is launching tonight. College launching uh, tonight. That's right. Sam and Susan Van Wagner and Wayne and Donna Chamberlain had their, their Coastline community uh, last night and I heard Mm -hmm. it went fantastic from some of the folks that were there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, the other thing I would say to the coastline community is the, the, the fun part of being part of something new, that's a church plant. Like we have the freedom to try something and adapt and change. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm not here saying, wow, we found it. (laughs) Every church come look at it. This is the new model. Right. I'm sure there's, there's, there's weaknesses to it. Right. Um, And we're going to learn what those are and we're going to try to figure out how do we counteract those and, 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 and things like that. But it's really fun just to be part of something new and experience it together for all that it can provide and then see where the Lord leads and, you know, as we move together. Well, I'm excited. I can tell you're excited. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. For- hey, you, you, you're the one that listened to my language and you're like, there's a lot of home language. And I'm like, Oh, you're right. And <laughs> you know, that's why when we sent the email out to the coastline community, it was like, Hey, we, we grabbed it, you know? Yeah. Welcome. Well, welcome. Come on in You're home. Yeah. Like we use that, that language. Cause really, again, that is our, that really is a goal. Mm-hmm. Like we want these coastline communities to be a place where we learn to live our core values and one of our great core values is how do we live as a family? Mm-hmm. How do relationships become front and center and just as important as, you know, our theological distinctives, our theological truth? Um, we're not going to let go of that, obviously, right. but sometimes relational connectivity gets minimized. And you and I both know from an experiential standpoint of walking with Jesus the relational aspect is just as vital as right theology. Oh yeah. So totally. Well, I only wanted to sit with you last week and talk through all the home stuff and all the language because I'm passionate about this just like you are. And I want the coastline family, our members to be really excited about it as well. Yeah. So get yourself to the website, get to the website, get Get yourself registered, join in a group and 
enjoy these uh, communities that Garrick has spent a lot of time thinking through. And thank you for coming and talking to me on a very busy day. Yeah. I appreciate this. I think everybody listening will feel blessed and encouraged. And uh, we hope you enjoy your coastline community groups. Yeah. Enjoy. Enjoy. Enjoy.